Alright, how we doing everybody? I'm your host Will Reddington and welcome to another episode of Red Talk. Our show is brought to you by Vegas Live 365. If you are looking for a way to bet on sports from the comfort of your own home, if you're tired of driving across the bridge, Vegas 365 is your spot. Message me, Will Reddington 4 on Twitter if you want to get set up, whether you bet $5 or $5,000 every single week. Vegas 365 has you covered. Our show is also brought to you by Thrive Fantasy Sports. Use promo code RED with two Ds for a $20 deposit bonus on any deposit, $20 or more. Thrive has awesome NFL contests rolling each weekend. You could win up to $10,000. And of course, we are also brought to you by O'Shea's Irish Pub. O'Shea's Irish Pub, as concerts and events start to return to the KFC Yum Center, there's no spot more equipped to give you the best pregame or the best postgame you could ever ask for than O'Shea's Irish Pub, downtown 123 Main Street. Very easy to remember. All right, let's get it going. Right, A.B. Austin Bickett, we are back. I'm your host, Will Reddington. Wow, it is March. Everybody's playing the future song. Everybody's really excited. We've had some crazy finishes. We did an episode last week, did a little national champion draft. Talked about how there was probably 10 to 12 teams out there that could really win it, although there are a lot of good teams out there. And I did say that you will see some of these great teams lose in situations against teams that maybe aren't so great down the stretch. But I think now it's like way more wide open than I viewed it as last week. I I know it's a small sample size, but it's just been an absolute blur. Teams are falling all over the place. Yeah, Saturday was probably uh, the craziest regular season day for basketball maybe ever. Uh, Top six lost. Another team in the top ten lost as well. Uh, Baylor played one of those teams. They might have lost as well. So, I don't think anybody's super dominant. I think the, the team you could have argued the most would be Gonzaga because they've been blowing everybody out, and even they lost as 11-point favorites. Uh, some of the losses, like Kentucky and uh, Kansas, they, were, they weren't they were favored in the game. It wasn't like a crazy upset, but just the fact that all six of them lost, I, I think it's a little more wide open than we thought on our 10, 10 teams to win it all. Yeah, it is, and Kentucky's loss, to their credit, you're watching that game. It goes down basically to the last possession. It's a two-point loss. Could have been by five. Ty-Ty hits the three to cover at the buzzer. But you leave the weekend and you're thinking, who is going to be number one when we wake up? And it's it's still Gonzaga, right? Yeah, the top two didn't move, but everybody else did. That was kind of weird. And I'm surprised. Gonzaga had the the biggest spread loss of anyone. Yeah, and they they could have lost by a lot. Arizona Arizona was also favored by 10, so... Same, but yeah, Arizona's was pitiful. Then I think they were up like 10 at halftime and ended up getting absolutely blown out in Boulder. But yeah, I, I was looking at it like I, Kentucky could be number one right now. I mean, their loss was as impressive as anyone's loss, and they're undefeated at home. And uh, yeah, it's a weird spot to be in. I mean, Duke, uh, you, you don't think Duke's gonna jump from seven to one, but you're looking at it, you're like, Duke keeps beating teams by like 30, and they haven't lost in a while. 
Yeah, Duke is uh, silently kind of making a push to be a one seed and be one of these teams that nobody's kind of talking about, even though they're Duke, cause, because they keep beating up on these teams that aren't very good. But, I mean, you play who's on your schedule, and if you kill them all, that's eventually that becomes impressive. No, and not a lot of quality wins to get in this uh, beloved ACC right now. But, yeah, I mean, Duke is in a prime position to run the table in the ACC tournament and get a number one seed. And as we look forward to the weekend, a little weekend watch list, uh, Duke, Coach K's final game hosting North Carolina. Uh, cheapest ticket price to get in there is three grand. Cameron Indoor is pretty small. I think it holds 8,000 to 9,000 people. But three grand is a lot of money. They're hosting North Carolina. Uh, always a classic end of the year, last college basketball Saturday matchup. But uh, what, what, do you, what do you think here? I mean, I feel like there's no way Duke loses that game. I, I, they might get five extra points on the line for that being Coach K's last home game. I bet north carolina the first time that they played and didn't feel good yeah, yeah and at unc because i was like oh this is the last time coach is coming here north carolina's right on the bubble this is their last chance to get a like win this game they're in they got killed instantly like down 22 in like the first eight minutes so i yeah i don't i don't see any way carolina even keeps this close i think the line is going to be ridiculous like you said i think it's probably going to be like 14 points in a unc duke game is pretty crazy but kind of fair and uh, i don't know how you how you fade Duke, not only because it's Coach K's last game, just because they already beat this team by 20 and they're just playing really, really good right now. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to guess is 13 and a half and Carolina on the bubble. Like it, it's such a crazy thing to think about because before Duke beat Pittsburgh last night, which they obviously did by 30 something points or whatever, but like Carolina was not mathematically eliminated to win the ACC this year. That is so crazy to think about what the ACC has been our whole lives that a team like Carolina that's projected to be anywhere between like a nine to a last four in right now was still in the mix to win that conference and sitting firmly on the bubble yeah so what i think might happen is i think we might get a north carolina indiana first four game that classic matchup yeah would instantly go down as like the the biggest matchup in first four history not the teams being good just the the schools yeah and I, what we have last year wasn't it like ucla michigan state yeah, or something really like cool. that yeah ucla almost lost that game then they went yeah. to the the final four all the way to the final four you get a little warmed up get a little ncaa tournament action before anybody else does they were down like the first they're down like 10 like like 10 minutes to go came back and won and then and we, went to we the don't four. like these uh carolina and indiana teams at all this year in terms of the actual no. product that they're putting yeah. out like that would be a tough spot for us trying to pick a winner in that game knowing that we don't like those teams yeah, I've lost lost money on both those teams respectively, so that that would be tough. I just think that sounds like if there if there's like a a group of a pool of teams to pick from, those two are going to jump out. Like, let's just make them play. Yeah, it would be sell tickets, get buzz going for the tourney. Not that the tournament needs buzz, but heavily watched by America, you would think, especially since those are standalone games before the actual bracket kicks off. I think it's uh, Tuesday and Wednesday they play those games or around that time. It could be all one day. I can't totally remember. But, yeah, I mean. Yeah, uh, it's, it's two different days. Two games a day. It's, it's always possible. like a, um, one of the 16-16 games and then a good game, and then the next day will be the same thing. But the ACC, I mean, you're looking at Duke. They're going to get in. They're going to be a one or a two. And then you have. Notre Dame probably looking at uh, anywhere between like a, a six to an eight, which is crazy. I feel like Notre Dame's have a way better year than that, but I think that Kentucky win is going to go a long way with the committee. Then you have Miami at the 10 line, 
They have some good wins. So they're they're right there. They're probably in, but like they're a four point favorite against Boston College tonight. That doesn't sound like somebody who would comfortably be in the tournament. Boston College is horrendous. And then you have Carolina, probably gonna get in. And then you have both the Virginia schools, Virginia Tech and Virginia, that are on the bubble. It, it's a weird year. It's hard to think about the ACC only getting four teams in the tournament. Uh, like you said, there's just not really a chance for a quality win unless you're playing Duke in the ACC. Uh, I mean, Wake Forest has had its moments this year, and then they went on a little streak. I think Notre Dame is a solid team. I think Miami's pretty solid, too. But it's just hard to tell when they all just keep playing each other. Yeah, right. And Virginia Tech, I mean, what a quality win they got last night. <laughs> I don't think we've talked about Louisville basketball on this podcast very much this year. Um, thank the Lord I'm not doing starting 502 anymore. I probably wouldn't have any hair. But, I, I mean, just real quick, that's the most pathetic performance I've seen from a Louisville basketball team in my entire life. The Wake Forest thing on Saturday, like, okay. 99 points. They made 100 threes. Like, Wake Forest was hot. They played really good. And Louisville obviously didn't play very well, but they scored 77. It's one of those things you kind of tip cap. All right, our team's not very good. Good effort. Last night, 75 to 43 to Virginia Tech. What was that? Did you watch that game? I, I did not. Uh, I mean, I, I was kind of flipping back and forth, had two TVs going at the beginning. Uh, it was on one of the screens, and then. Instantly down 15, 20. I was like, okay, well, no need to keep watching this. But uh, I don't obviously follow Louisville basketball as closely as you or our friends, but that that's the most embarrassing performance I've seen from a Louisville team. I didn't have a great light, night last night. Uh, it wasn't awesome. I uh, don't care to elaborate on it. But I will say I sat there. I got, got home about 9, 15 or so. The game's underway. I'm like, okay. Down 12 at half, down 12 at half, win the second half, you know, against the spread, W, I'll tune in, I'll put it on the main TV with the sound. Not the main TV with sound. Yeah, main TV with the sound, and I sat there and I watched every bounce of that game, I don't know why, I never thought about turning it off, I just took it in, and I mean, it. it's like, it, it's insane, it's, it's, I know you can change a lot with the transfer portal, with recruiting, with a new guy at the helm, it's just hard to see Louisville being any good next year with how bad that was. It's always it always feels the darkest. I know Kentucky is different because we get all these freshmen and stuff every year. But last year I went through the same thing. Um, I, you got to just laugh and you know fade your own team. It's the only, it's it's basically over now. But that's pretty much the only way to get through it. Um, I didn't think I'd ever see a Kentucky team that bad as I did last year. I didn't think I'd ever see a Louisville team as bad as I'm seeing right now. So you know. It would have been funny if those years would have lined up. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, well, if y'all I mean, would have been that bad last year. It, or we, we would have been that bad this year. The thing is, last year, we didn't make the tournament, and you yeah, guys you, were going to get a one seat. Yeah, at least you guys were competitive last year. Yeah. You know, came, barely. Came in 69th <laughs> or so. Yeah, it's really close. Yeah, first like team first out. team out, yeah. Declined NIT Decline. bid. Isn't yeah, that funny? Soft. Too good for the NIT now. Now we're 12 and 18. Just, what about the CIT? Don't have enough wins. A record doesn't even qualify for the NIT will not be calling. They've had a, you got to be 500, don't you? Got to be 500. It's a rule. Now, the CIT and the CBI, I don't know what their Those qualification be, rules are. Big berth. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd tune in and watch every game. Last can year, Power 5 teams even play in that? I don't think I've ever seen a Power 5 team in those. Oh, yeah, they'll get in I there. thought it was all, like, smaller schools. I, I just think that they uh, are probably not interested, but I, yeah. I'd like to see us get in there, see if we can uh, maybe fend off uh, Pepperdine or something like that. I know they, they won a tournament last year, beat Bellarmine in the title. Uh, I know yeah. I lost on that. Uh, but, yeah, I feel like Pepperdine we'll season. drag, y'all. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, they, they came in last, by the way, in the WCC, but I'm not going to say that we would beat them. 
uh, Louisville, their their season probably is going to end like UK's did last year, where they play a game like UK played what Mississippi State in the first round of the SEC tournament, yeah, and they like it was almost a won. And it yeah. was a close line. I feel like Louisville's going to play like Boston College or Clemson, maybe somebody really bad. Clemson the ACC Cards just li- dogged Clemson. They got their number. Line's going to be close, and you're going to be like, "All right, one, one last, last ride, <laughs> one last ride." Come on, Malik Williams, take us there. Shoot some threes. Yeah, and then lose at the end. You're like, "Whatever." I was already dead inside. Louisville plays Virginia on Senior Day. Don't expect them to win. Kentucky's got Florida coming into. Is it at Florida? No, at Florida, they're Senior Ooh. Night, and they, and they need a win badly. They need a win. They've, they've that'll been, that'll put them in the tournament if they win. Yeah, and they've been needing to win. They've been on the bubble, but they've they been getting those wins. Survived Vandy last night. They almost lost to Vandy. That would have been devastating. I saw that. What, were they up like four? With like Vandy was up four with like a minute and a half left yeah. or something? Florida ended up winning by four. Yeah. But, that's, uh, yeah, that was, that was, I'm not going to say it was a big win, but it was big that they didn't lose. A big non-loss. Yeah. yeah. Those are just it's big a, at this time of year. Term we could use a little more. Yeah, I'd, I'd expect Kentucky to be favored in that game, but probably not by more than yeah. three. I think which is, yeah, I was going to say like four, four-ish. Yeah, that's hard to believe because Kentucky's so much better than them. But you, you look at Auburn, who hadn't yeah, been yeah. great lately, but Auburn was fair by four there a few weeks ago, Saturday game, and Auburn lost. It was low scoring. Florida kind of uh, mucks it up a little bit. It's it's kind of their style, and that, that Castleton dude can be tough at times. But yeah, Kentucky's a lot better. I, they, they could be a team, though, that's kind of just gearing up for the tournament, maybe not as invested in those type of games. But that, uh, at Arkansas, I mean, that Arkansas is uh, – they, they could beat anybody. Yeah, Note, the best player, best scorer in the ACC. He, he was, I mean, he makes some insane shots, and he's so streaky. They're, they're very good. They're not as good away from home. I mean, nobody is, but I feel like their drop off is probably a little lower. But yeah, they're they're tough. There's gonna be some Kentucky, Auburn, Arkansas, and even Tennessee on some nights. They're all gonna be tough outs. Shoo, yeah, Tennessee looking pretty good. And they they won last night. They played Georgia or something. Georgia's not good, but they uh, that win against Auburn. You're watching Auburn's up nine, and you're still like, yeah, Auburn's not winning this game. Tennessee wants it too bad. Tennessee's three guard lineup. They they shoot it really well, and it, it's hard to believe that's the same Tennessee team we watched in your basement lose by thirty in yeah. Rupp. It's like he shot like seventy percent that day though. Yeah, I don't they, think there was anything they could have done. They're a lot better than that. Even looking back at that Texas Tech performance they had in the Garden, where it was like thirty to thirty oh God, going to I overtime. So mad that game, I like missed that dunk. It's the worst basketball game ever, and yeah. somehow both those teams are are pretty good. I don't believe in Texas Tech at all. Would like that on a recorded line, but uh, yeah, it, it should be a fun game. Uh, Kentucky's kind of due to win one of these games. I, I can't imagine Florida knocking off both Auburn and Kentucky at home down the stretch. Uh, Auburn and Kentucky played once at Auburn. That would be a cool SEC title matchup. Uh, but yeah, SEC, really good conference. Alabama, LSU hanging around in there. They they should get, what do you think, like seven teams in the tournament? I, I think right now in the latest bracketology, it's six, but Florida's like the actual first team out. So if Florida, mm-hmm. if Florida beats Kentucky, they're in no matter what. If they win maybe probably one game in the SEC tournament, they probably get in. So yeah. I would say seven. Plenty of chances to get quality wins in that SEC tournament as well. You just don't want to lose to the Georgias or the Ole Misses or Missouris of the world. Yeah, yeah. South Carolina been playing a little better. They're kind of yeah. frisky. They gave the Cats a game. Yeah, I mean, you never you never know with the Gamecocks. But uh, a couple more classic rivalry games this weekend. You got USC, UCLA, Indiana, Purdue. It's going to be a fun college basketball Saturday. Uh, and uh, other other stuff going on this weekend. Sunday, 3.30, finals rematch. Suns, Bucks, Booker enters health, health and safety protocols. First I, athlete I in three months. Is that still a thing? I guess. People were shocked when that came out. 
I mean, Chris Paul's got the thumb injury. He's probably not going to be back until right when the playoffs start. So that's a different Suns team. They had the Sunday 330 spot against the Jazz this past week. The Jazz looked a lot better, kind of finding themselves after a tough little stretch before the All-Star break. But, but yeah, that's going to be a fun game. Bucks got the heat tonight. But, yeah, I mean, without the Chris Paul and Booker, that seems like a game that the Suns just can't win. No, it, it does not. And uh, it sucks when those big primetime games are always – always seem to be ruined by injury or in this case health and safety protocols as well yeah that was a fun which are vibe. still a thing somehow yeah I, I thought the whole country i thought covid was done i it, think they're i think they're only testing symptomatic players so he must have been like actually sick it's crazy the other like what a week ago when liddell played for ohio state yeah when the, he had like the flu <laughs> yeah. think about that like yeah. a, a year ago or even a couple months ago like if yeah. that would if that would fly been in prison yeah <laughs> locked away for for 10 10 days and then five days and then actually you could go play center for ohio state yeah it's uh things are moving I like to see it um uh, it's okay because Bucks Suns kind of ruined some injuries, but we do have Lakers Warriors God, Saturday night. Two teams that just cannot buy with. The LeBron got drafted by like the worst franchise and the worst team that they've had, and this is currently the worst team he's ever been on. It's hard to believe they are going to win less games than that Cleveland team won his rookie year with Wagner and Big Z and. Whoever else is on that team, Booby Gibson. And, I don't know if he was there that early. And uh, Mo Money Williams. I don't think either one of those guys were on that. Oh man, 2004 team. Dewan De- Dewan Wagner. Yeah, Wagner was there. For yeah, sure. that's a that's a good squad. Yeah, yeah. Better than this current Lakers. Team. <laughs> Lakers are hard to watch. They get a chance to get a big primetime W though. Get them back in the mix. They're in like the tenth or eleventh spot in the West right now. They are significantly worse than the Pelicans, who are right behind them. Uh, they, Zion, Zion, warming up. Yeah, I, I don't think that that. I don't, I don't think the Pelicans would come even back. care about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brandon Ingram's a stud. CJ McCollum's good, and they they absolutely put it on the Lakers. I think by like thirty in Staples yeah. Center, the players are arguing with the fans again. That's always good to see. Love to see the camaraderie amongst the fan base and a team. But yeah, Saturday night we're gonna get to see it. Warriors, Lakers, Warriors not playing well either. Yeah, I think this is a uh, probably the get back game for them. Yeah, no, I can't wait. And then, of course, you know, as things are rolling right along, we Saturday, right in the middle of the day, we got Cubs, Brewers, spring training. Oh, wait. Uh, yeah, baseball is completely dead. That'll be our next topic, and that'll be what moves us towards euphoria. Awesome finale. Uh, wow, awesome show. But, yeah, uh, let's, let's go ahead and get into the uh, MLB lockout. As I try to explain this, I'm sure some people care, and a lot of people, if you just want to hit that little 30 button on your podcast until you hear uh, that Jack Harlow cream song come on and euphoria starts. I totally understand. But uh, yeah, the the baseball is not going to play. They just canceled the first two series of the season because of a lockout. We've seen lockouts in the NHL, the NBA, all within the last 20 years. I don't know about the NFL. Has NFL had one? Do you remember? No, we were kind of threatening last year and Mm. I was ready to jump off a bridge, but they figured it out with like a week and a half to spare or something. Gotcha. So that would lot. like shut the actually shut the country down. <laughs> Football got delayed. Yeah, like yeah. Baseball. I don't. I don't know that it's that big. I don't even think the. I think people would be more sad about the NBA, but I don't think because you know it's right in the middle of football season when NBA starts and March Madness is still coming up. So I don't think anybody would really be angry until like middle of April rolled around. You're like, oh my god, what are we supposed to watch? Yeah, like there's an NBA. Well, that's actually when the NBA playoffs start. So. This baseball lockout thing, it's like the sixth thing you see on Sports Center every night, which is crazy because it is like kind of a, 
like the biggest deal to a lot of sports fans around the world. Like this, this is their favorite league. It is a real thing. And it's a league that's grown. It's proved that it can do a 60 game season with no fans and expanded playoffs that literally increased their revenue somehow during COVID when a, a lot of leagues kind of shut down for a while. The MLB figured it out, but a, a lockout in itself is a literal lockout. Uh, the owners halt all activities can literally lock players out of their facilities. They're not allowed to, to practice with each other. Um, it, it's very, very interesting and they cannot resume those normal activities until an agreement is reached. So I tried to do a little research today. What, what does each side want? You know, it's the, it's like a divorce, but but you got to put it back together. It's so weird. The owners want expanded playoffs, which seems pretty easy. I feel like the players are like, okay, let's let's get in the playoffs. Maybe you come get really close to making the playoffs and you don't make it. It's like, okay, now, now we can make NFL expanded the playoffs. I feel like that worked, right? Like, I don't, I don't feel like that's a bad thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I like it. Uh, I think both years the seven seed has not really had a chance, but – yeah, I would also think that the the players would be for the expanded playoffs because I'm pretty sure they get like playoff bonuses just for making the playoffs and more paychecks and I mean you get to play in the playoffs. So I don't know why the players wouldn't want that. I think from what I've read, they're pushing back on that just because the owners won't give them like the one thing that they want. So they're like, oh, it's kind of it's not. I don't think it's more that they're that against the extra team. It's more that like you're not gonna give us what we want. We're not gonna give what you want. Yeah, which is uh, which is fair. That's how that's how breakups and relationships work sometimes. But teams that participate in the playoffs do get a hundred percent of that TV revenue, which sounds like it's a big deal. Uh, the owners are offering this to the players. Uh, they've also offered a reduced season from one hundred and sixty-two to one hundred and fifty-four, which I think everybody, even it's me, like one week. But yeah, I, bet, I mean, every, I love the consistency of baseball. I come home, Cubs, good, bad. Uh, mediocre. I don't care. I, I put them on the TV and they're a part of my day. I look at the lineup and I'm like, ooh, hey, we're hitting seventh. He's going to ground out to second base a few times. Can't wait to watch it. Gives you something to complain about, something to cheer for. Uh, and a universal DH, which the owners are finally okay with. That's actually something the players have lobbied for in the past. I think everybody, universal Should DH, sounds good. Yeah. What the players want, uh, actually, the greatest example of it is my hero, Chris Bryant. When Chris Bryant was a rookie, he had to play X amount of games for the Cubs to have that count towards his contract. So he's the best player in the minor leagues. He ends up winning rookie of the year that year. But they bring him up on exactly the 26th game from the Iowa Cubs because that was the marker of when it wouldn't have counted towards his deal. They got a whole nother year before he becomes a free agent. Chris is mad about it. It's fair because they manipulated the system. So they take it to court. The MLB wins because the Cubs, with the system, they followed the rule. So the players want that to be viewed more logically. They want minor league salaries to go up. They're trying to take care of like low A, high A, that, that kind of that kind of player that maybe doesn't make a lot of money and uh, just kind of improve the living of all the people who aren't them. Because everybody in these meetings are are leaders of the players' association. You got Matt, Anthony Rizzo, Max Scherzer, guys that everybody knows, and uh, it, it doesn't seem like they're anywhere close to getting this thing done i feel like what the players want is fair but the owners don't want to give up their money it seems 
it's the billionaires versus millionaires. I've seen that a lot. That that doesn't seem fair. They're actually fighting for those like thirty seven thousand a year type of guys in the in the low A. But I, I kept thinking. I think we were both thinking they were going to come to an agreement on that last day, and they didn't. Bryce Harper's putting stuff in a Tokyo jersey. I got free time. Strowman saying the commissioner needs to get fired. That's our new pitcher. I don't know if you should say that necessarily. Uh, Rizzo said, "Sorry, fans, but to the future of baseball, this is for you." I don't think the players are backing down no and they shouldn't and I, I completely agree with the um the minor league players uh when I worked at UPS right out of college or right into college I should say there was a guy there and he was like my age now probably 26 27 and he played double a for like the Reds organization for like five years and I was like why did you quit to come work at UPS and he's like I make more money here he's like I didn't think I was gonna get called up and like I could not afford to live that is astounding. And I, <laughs> yeah. I don't think people from the outside that are looking at this would understand that that's how it is, that they have to live way below what they pictured their means being when they were like, ooh, I'm drafted. I'm yeah. drafted. I'm a pro baseball player. And it's it's not that glamorous. And when you think of the players that do make it, there's usually 40 players on a usable MLB roster and uh, 25 that are going to dress. And the organizations go so much deeper than that. They've actually downsized a little bit. There used to be even more. And now they've taken some of it out. But yeah, I mean, it's a it's a crazy scenario that is threatening the league. Two series can canceled. So the players, the coaches, all that, they don't get paid for those games. They don't make money off the league during that time that hurts the owners so that's 127th of you know their their paychecks and everything so it, it, it's a weird little stalemate because it depending on how long that goes that could affect the players too the ones that are in there like wait i'm not i'm not gonna get paid if i don't go out there and put on my uniform yeah these situations are always weird because like the big name guys are always trying to fight for the little guys not the little guys i mean they're still like making a ton of money, not the minor leaguers, but the people in the MLB. But they, those guys are like, okay, you guys can do this because you have so much money. Like, we need this money to, like, we need to play because we need to get paid. So it's always tough. I know that was a big thing when the NFL was almost locked out last year is those guys on those rookie deals and those practice squads, they were like, I get that you guys want more money and all that, but, like, we have to play. And uh, yeah, exactly. And another thing the players are lobbying for is to incentivize not tanking. Tanking's become a big problem in baseball, which is really hard to believe when you think about it. Because like these players that they draft in baseball, you usually don't see them for what, like three or four years. Yeah, if that. Like, yeah, and you've seen a few like stars come up, like Chris, who where it takes them like a year or two, and then they come up there and they're killing it. But that's the like minimal uh, minority there. And you like a team like the Orioles, uh, $42 million on their salary cap last year. That was uh, over $100 million less than 14 teams in the league. And they're benefiting from that. They're, they're looking for some sort of a lottery system like the NBA has, which, again, just makes a ton of sense. Like that's something that I don't know why the owners wouldn't give into immediately. Like why would you want to like have the uh, competitiveness of your game yeah. threatened? And it also gives you a better chance to get the first pick if you're like not the worst team, but you're still a really bad team. Yeah, and the owners that are like they they put out a list of teams that are not like the owners are stuck like because it has to be unanimous or something. And of the eight that they listed, like eight owners aren't budging. It's like the Rockies, the Diamondbacks, the Orioles, like teams that are just terrible. And and it makes sense. They're just they're not going down without a fight. 
Yeah, um, I'm sure those negotiations are complicated and more than what we see on the service level. But, it, I mean, they have like two straight weeks to negotiate, and they had a deadline. It's it, I can't believe they couldn't figure it out somehow. Not me either. I'm so bummed out. And what's crazy is Jock Peterson actually tweeted, once this end we're, ends, we're going to see like the craziest two weeks of free agency that you've <laughs> so ever seen. Some people aren't even on a team right now. Yeah. And, and most people didn't sign. Like the Cubs signed Stroman, and then two days later, it was like the Cubs might get Correa. And I'm like, oh my God, Correa's in the three-hole. I'm back. What's the NL Central odds? I got to get them quick because they're going to be crazy high before we get Correa, and we're going to win the World Series. And then everything freezes. There's so many guys out there that are out in limbo that are restricted free agents or unrestricted and it's all gonna just kind of blow up in the matter of a second and speaking something speaking of something else that did euphoria the finale oh my god i mean there's so many things i have to say about this episode me and shay might go on for an hour this could be a three hour long podcast i don't know what it's gonna i don't know what's gonna happen but we, we got season three predictions we have to talk about whatever that finale was i still can't decide if it was good or not but i mean it was it was captivating so shay coming up next do you have anything else you want to add no, I don't. But I saw um, I saw a lot of bad reactions. I still haven't seen Euphoria any second of it, but I saw a bunch of bad reactions to the finale. Yeah, and it was uh, mediocre. Um, well, they, you know, I mean, you know, how shows are like you start watching it and you're like, why are we wasting time on this? We yeah. only have especially it when hour. it's like a finale. You're like, I'm not going to see an episode of this for two years. Why? This seems so stupid. Especially because they announced that, which is so dumb. Why say, hey, we'll be back in 2024? Like, you don't have to say that. Just be like Even season three coming it. soon ish. <laughs> Coming whenever. There season hasn't three been a, renewed. There hasn't been a season of Stranger Things in like three and a half years. Isn't that crazy? And now they're doing it in two parts. Like, yeah. what are we doing? Yeah, it's nuts. I mean, Ozar back late April. You know, it feels like it's going to take forever. But yeah, uh, overall, uh, solid season of Euphoria. There are a lot of unanswered questions, which me and Shay are going to address. So here comes the man, Shay Martin. Euphoria. All right, we waited all year for this, the Euphoria Finale, Episode 8, Shea Martin in the house. Wow, what a wild ride, I guess. Yeah, that was a finale, because it's over, but that's about all I got. Yeah, there were a couple electrifying moments. They did close some storylines. There's still a lot left open, which we'll touch on at the end. But before we get into some season three theories, some things that the show appears to have abandoned, we'll jump into what actually happened in the episode. So we start off with Fez. Thank God, because we spent a whole week wondering what's going on, why he's not at the play. Show up to the play, Fez. And we're finally going to get a close on the Custer storyline, which is the snitch. He's a loser. Yes. Well, he gets what's coming to him because he is dead. But basically, this guy has the law enforcement on the phone, the phone recording the conversation. And he's trying to get Fez to admit to killing Mouse. Faye drops a glass and she's like, shh, don't say anything. Ash picks up on this. Fez... Not doesn't appear to be the smartest guy in the room, but he understands that there is a wiretap scenario going on because she says, shh, Ash 
knows something's up, but I don't think he thinks, oh, I shouldn't kill this dude right here, which is a wild way for a 12 to 13 year old to conduct themselves. So he goes ahead and stabs him in the neck. And uh, Custer's dead. They suffocate him, so he can't yell. So we're seemingly getting away with that. Uh, we put the phone in the glass, but Fez knows that he's. Yeah, that whole scene. I was, I texted you and me. I was like, "Oh my god, I can't believe this just happened." But then sitting back and thinking, like, Ash, what are you doing? We this, this pretty much could have all been avoided. Um, basically, the entire thing with Fez could have been avoided. We saw Fez early in this uh, in this show be threatened uh, in terms of getting caught by Nate, right? Nate's who called the cops. They had to flush all that product down the toilet, and then Fez had to rob that guy in season one. Not really normal Fez behavior, but he had to get Mouse his money. Mouse, obviously a very out-of-pocket dude, but Ashtray didn't necessarily need to kill him either. So two unnecessary deaths at the hand of Ashtray, and we're going to get more. But we jump back to the play. The play, still going on. Still going on. Uh, very second. long play. Second episode, the play honestly might still be going on. We might start season three with the play. Who knows? But Cassie is going to take the stage. Nate just broke up with her. And uh, a lot of fights here. We got the mom up on the stage. People are wondering if it's part of the play. Um, again, enhancing the thought that this is the most entertaining play of all time. But uh, a lot of fights going on. Cassie's going after Lexi. And then Maddie's like, all right, I'm going up on stage. And we finally get that, uh, that title bout that we've been looking for. Yeah, I was hoping for, you know, maybe like five or six rounds instead of one. But, you know, we still got to see a good slap. We got to see Maddie smash Cassie's head against the wall, which that was pretty fun. But still, I wanted more. That's what I, I needed more. Right, yeah, that was about the only gratification we received in the fight. It was, I'd say, fairly realistic, though, if you think about two senior girls in high school fighting. Like, that's probably kind of how it goes you know the the slamming of the head into the wall may have been a kind of a step but it appeared to escalate further than that in the bathroom and we just didn't get to see it yeah which definitely tough scene there them running through the halls and downstairs in high heels can be easy so very giving them a lot of credit for that yeah absolutely a, a lot went into that fight and i think one of the reasons we didn't get to see it is because we spent 30 minutes on elliot's song it was a long song, I can't lie, but it's kind of a banger. Kind of a good song. Kind of a good song. But yeah, yeah it, it was it was like three and a half minutes. And then when he finished, he's like, I'm still not done yet. I'm like, What what else do you got, buddy? He had yeah, a chorus. Kind of seemed, yeah. He, he's like he, he seemed a, like he was spitting in our face there when he said it wasn't done yet. Yeah, if it's not done yet, buddy, I don't think it ever will finish because there's not enough time in the world. If this is a two-hour finale. It's not that big of a deal. Because you know what? It is a good song. And the music selection, we've raved about that about this show. It, it's it's great. Yeah, I think if you listen to every song they played from season one till season two ends, you'd probably have a nice drive across the country. But this was unnecessary given that we only have 60-so minutes of airtime. We play the entire song. Uh, in the end, it's about forgiveness. Hey, Elliot, Rue, we're good. Should we be friends? I don't know. We're bad for each other. And that's the story play still going on play still going on during this uh we get a little lexi chant she's back on the stage so uh lexi you know get gets back out there finishes her her art which uh was gonna piss a lot of people off she shouldn't have been surprised by that i don't think she thought her sister would take the stage but if she ever was going to take the stage during a play it was during that one and it seemed to work out pretty well the crowd was into it obviously at first lexi was just traumatized that this was all happening 
But in the end, I think it made for a nice little, uh, kind of like a little intermission for the crowd. Something to let them speak up for a minute, but, uh, I thought, yeah, overall the play was pretty good. I think if we could have just watched the play, I would have enjoyed it. Yeah, and that's, uh, it's kind of what we did. That says 75% of episode seven and eight. But yeah, I mean, there were some dull parts of the play, some things I think that could have been cut out. This, uh, Cassie taking the stage was not one of the dull parts of the place. So then we flash back and we got Fez talking to Ash. So Fez is like, hey, look, I'm already screwed. I'm going to go ahead and take the fall for this year, kid. You got your whole life ahead of you. Ash, he's got zero lines the whole episode. I really don't think he talked. He uh, is going to go ahead and take all the guns to the bathroom. So let's uh, let's really go ahead and break this down. We're going to do this whole scene right now. So Ash, uh, not exactly the most obedient kid, didn't grow up in an environment of which would make him so. But he takes all the guns in the bathroom. Fez knows the cops are going to show up. Fez has got the knife in hand. Hey, look, I did this. Let's go. There's a kid in the bathroom. Let's not do this. Ash decides that he's going to go ahead and open fire. Yeah, just opens fire down a hallway. Obviously, he didn't know who he was shooting at because he hit Fez right in the side, which hated to see that. But, yeah, I mean, Ash, what are you doing, dude? Just blasting blasting your house down? For what reason? Right, and you know, like, um, I, I don't know, you, you play any shooting video games like you a Call of Duty guy? I can be. Gotcha. So I've never really been a shooting videos type of guy. I usually played sports games, but there was a game that I grew up loving, and it was called 50 Cent Bulletproof. 50 Cent. 50 Cent's video game, right? It's awesome video game. Great story mode. It's a solo game, but you're 50 Cent. You're riding around with Lloyd Banks, Young Buck, Tony Yayo. Uh, it took me like a week to get my mom to, to buy it for me, and I would stay up all night beating the story mode over and over again. Same story. But why I bring that up is because you were 50 Cent, right? And you were bulletproof you know 50 cent real life shot nine times never died uh you're you're going into scenarios where there's maybe 80 90 100 people that want to kill you right and you're just you 50 cent at best you got the game with you and you're gonna be able to kill all these guys if you're good at the video game that is not how life works it's a fictional fictional game even if 50 cent try to do this now it just quite frankly wouldn't work so i don't know what ash is thinking when he's in the bathroom is he thinking that he's going to kill the entire law enforcement department in their town i'm guessing that's his only thought i don't know what like it, i feel like there's a better spot in the house you could have been if you're going to do that why are you taking blind shots at these guys Blind shots. When so none of weird. them hit. All the ones that out of his machine gun, none of them hit the cops. I think he got one. I think he got one through the Good. door. I think he picked off one. I could be wrong. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he could have gotten one. But, like, he shot enough rounds to empty all of them. But Yeah. Right. So, it, it, it just didn't make a lot of sense. Even if he wins, right? Perfect like, video game scenario. He takes out all 70 of them. Does he not? Does he think that that's going to make the situation better? Uh, very, very odd. And that first shot, he hits Fez. So that's not, yeah, it seems counterproductive. Fez went down hard. Oh man. Totally ridiculous. But Ash is going to give us a perception that he's already dead. There's no sounds coming out of the bathroom. The cops going up. Fez is like, Hey, there's a kid in there. Don't do anything. One cop opens the door. Ash plays dead, gets up, shoots him in the chest. And then you know that it's pretty much on because the door's open and he's just crucified a member of the police department. Yeah, that was a, as soon as he did that, I was like, oh my God, they're going to shoot. They're going to, they're going to make me watch Ashtray die. And then you just see the red dot start on his chest, go straight to his forehead. Thankfully they cut away from Ashtray and we just had to hear it happen rather than see it. But yeah, not great. 
It is unbelievable that Fez doesn't get hit any more than he already did. Like, I thought after the cops had to watch their probably friend, co-worker die like that at the hands of a 12-year-old, I thought they might just go ahead and kill Fez, too. And they might have had the right to do so. I mean, shots are flying everywhere, and this is Fez's brother, guy, whatever you want to call him. You know, I mean, it, it's unbelievable. Outside of Fez being a core member of this show, it really doesn't make any sense that he walked out of there alive. No, those cops could have easily shot Fez in the back and just said we were just firing at the firing at the guy shooting at us, and one happened to hit Fez, and no one would have blinked, you know, blinked about it. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I mean, this was probably the most exciting scene of the of the episode, maybe of the season. I think the only person that was asleep during that was Fez's grandma, who uh, never woke up. Uh, they showed her at the end. That's just insane that she's still in the yeah, house. Yeah, I kind of forgot she was in the house. And then showing the cop walk past her, I was like, oh, if yeah, grandma, gonna grandma's sleep, here. Yeah, if you're going to sleep through that, it makes sense that they uh, were able to, you know, run a uh, drug ring out of that house because uh, there's nothing louder than uh, a million gunshots. But yeah, overall, sure Mouse was killed in the house, too. So he, he was, yeah, as well as Custer. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of deaths in that house. Not a, not a great house to be in. But uh, this show will make you... You know, we're doing a podcast about it. Uh, we'll make you say things that you wouldn't think you'd maybe ever say. And uh, Ash, she's a 12-year-old kid. I kind of think he deserved to die. Yeah, he definitely he put himself in the situation. He could It could have been avoided from the start. And Ash was just, he, was, he went all on instinct and didn't think at all. So that's, that's where he put himself. Nah, it's just never the move. And, uh, you know, we had Custer die there, a few police officers, uh, Mouse, all of which Ash was responsible for. Not a great look for Ash. That's all there is to it there. I, I will say, though, Faye, huge props to her. I mean, instantly flipped on how, how much I respected her. Massive redemption arc for Faye. I think we'll see some of her in season three. We'll get to that in the uh, in the theories at the end. But uh, yeah, I mean, who would have thought we were so done with her a few weeks ago and and she really came through. But you could argue that, you know, maybe she maybe she didn't also, you know, because like still Ash died and Fez is still going to prison. So maybe it was too little too late. Probably a little too little too late, but she she didn't know that all those guns ablazing were going to happen. So you can't blame her for that. Yeah. She survives that somehow. She's just on the floor. She gets hit with that, uh, smoke or whatever. And she's, uh, she's, she's done on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, then we have Nate and Cal, the other most exciting part of this episode. So Nate finds his dad somehow and, uh, goes in, he's got a gun, you know, uh, scene five of this show where Nate unnecessarily has a gun. And, um, yeah, he's going to go in there, and Cal's going to be having some sort of weird party. It looks like uh, orgy, a lot of people doing some drugs, drinking, and Nate's like, are you happy? And Cal's like, yeah, I'm pretty happy. And Nate's like, well, he, he, that's not cool. You're not allowed to be happy. You're not going to be happy for long. So you're thinking, all right, is Nate about to kill Cal? That doesn't seem like the move. He'll probably go to jail. But instead, Nate you pulls out an arsenal of a flash drive, and he's like, hey, look, I got everything you ever did. The cops are on their way. Screw you. You never cleaned up the piss on the floor. You're going to jail. Tough scene for Cal. Just uh, the whole him hanging out at his warehouse with that gang of people didn't look great. And then Nate just coming in, dropping a bomb on him like, you're an awful dad. And hey, I'm not going to kill you. Make it easy for you. You're going to go to jail, buddy, for a long time. 
yeah, it's tough to call it like a redemption arc for Nate because Nate still kind of sucks. You know, it was still a tough season overall for Nate, but uh, he, he probably did the right thing here. You, yeah, I mean, overall, like in a grand scheme, yeah, this is probably right. You got this dirtbag of a human off the streets. Just sucks that it is his his dad, even though his dad has traumatized him since he was 11. So probably like seven, eight years of trauma. built. Right. And he destroys his dad's reputation and therefore destroys the idea of the business, which is, you know, kind of why he was holding all that in, or at least that's how they portrayed it to us. So he he kind of chooses to to do right there. Um, yeah, not much else to say about it. I'm sure we'll see more from Cal. He is not dead. He's just going to prison. Uh, more, we don't have to elaborate on this, but Rue's eulogy for her dad. I mean, you know, these are like emotional heartstring style pulls in the episodes, but like, this is one of those things. Like if this is a 14 episode season, if the episodes for two hours, it's a little different, but I feel like in total over the last two episodes, we had like 20 minutes of that. You know, the time is too precious and we have so many unanswered questions. And while there are important quotes and it seems like Rue's doing better and she's kind of under understanding more of what life is about, which we hear a little bit more on the outro. It just didn't seem like we needed that. The play itself could have been like one episode and you could have worked in the funeral in another way. I just don't know why we had to keep going back. And there's, there's 10 different times we'd go back and it's all different scene from the same funeral. It's like, what are we doing? Yeah. Um, exhausting. You're just like, I, I kept, kind of looking at my phone like wait how much time's left in this and after the nate and cal thing happened it like it really died off in terms of finale we, we did get jules and rue a little bit of closure which in season one that was our main storyline and that just completely drifted off but R- jules is like hey i miss you i love you and rue gives her a little kiss on the forehead which i think is a sign of forgiveness but rue doesn't say it back and it is cool i thought the writing in this was neat it was like the reverse of the end of season one because in season one jules leaves rue and rue's sad and relapses but in this instance at the end of season two jules comes back and rue leaves jules there yeah nice little turn of events there the director probably thought he was pulling a quick one when everybody was like, "Buddy, we've seen this happen before." Yeah, hey, hey, man! Like, I mean that that was that was cool, you know how that ended. But we we got a lot of unanswered questions here. Rue walking out of that door smiling didn't care for that. There's a lot she's got to answer for. Yeah, right. Which uh, we are about to break down right now. So Rue uh, narrates this show, which we said before. Everybody knows, but uh, she says that she stayed sober for the rest of the year so we're going to see a time jump season one and season two took place during the junior year of high school for all of these lovely flawed people so season three i'm thinking senior year they got to keep them all in the same place you know it's any show where they're where they're in a school like uh, you know they do the college thing it's going to be hard to assume that they're all in the same town so the um there's a quote I think it's one of the last ones. The thought of maybe being a good person keeps me trying to be a good person. Uh, almost all the characters reference the phrase good person in there, which is ironic because they're all not, but they all do some some good stuff. So overall, I did think this season was pretty good. I looked forward to watching it every Sunday night. Season one, 2019, COVID happens. There's two specials. This is 2022. And now all we have to do is wait till 2024. That sounds so awful. But no, I do agree. Like this season, it was it was fun. I, I, like you said, I enjoy waiting each week to see what happened next. It's just 
upsetting that I don't feel fulfilled with how it ended. And now yes. we don't know how long we're going to have to wait. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't even know why they did the 2024 thing. I feel like it would be easier to just be like coming soon. You know, like uh, I you don't have to that. say that. Yeah. Supposedly I saw Zendaya is like booked up for years. So. And they've all kind of blown up, you know, that I saw something right. basically showing what they're all working on and, and, it, and it makes sense. It'd be good for them. They all do a wonderful job in their role, but now let's do a little storylines abandoned. I think this will be fun because I, oh I think we're both going to have some thoughts here. So, uh, first one, Nate versus Fez. Remember episode one of season two, Fez assaulting Nate. That was wild. That's really what was real. Like, oh my God, this is insane. This show is awesome. Awesome start to the season. And then season one, we had a lot of Nate and Fez. Nate's the one that called the cops, as I referenced earlier, and made Fez flush all the drugs. Fez has threatened Nate before. We had Cal come into Fez's store early in the season. We never saw Nate and Fez interact again. No, we saw very little. Nate referenced Fez zero, had zero drug talk. And I was just like, these two had like great on-screen chemistry. You know, obviously the characters didn't go well together, but... Watching these two battle, I was, I was ready for it. And we could have used a few more parties. I think that's what made episode one so cool is they were all in the same place. And we never saw that again outside of the play of which Fez did not attend. Yeah, and then when I guess all the girls were together, but that was just for Ruta put Cassie on blast. Speaking yeah. of all the girls, Kat, her entire storyline completely abandoned. That's fine. I didn't care for her. I was mad at the way she treated Ethan. Yeah, she may have deserved it. I actually read some stuff about this, though. So Sam Levinson is the director and the writer of Euphoria. If you watch the behind the episode or whatever they call it after the episode, you, you see him talk a lot about what the show's supposed to mean, what they're trying to do, etc. Apparently, Kat did not like the path that her character was going down. And she expressed that to the director, uh, you know, with the the stuff from season one, which I, I don't really understand. Like you, you read the script, right? Like, you know what you're getting into. And I feel like this season for Kat as a whole was in a word soft. I mean, we did see those like uh, desires that she had that Ethan was not fulfilling. And that's why she gaslighted him. And he won the breakup, as we said, easy winner of the breakup. But she was a complete sideshow for the last three episodes. She was a supporting character. And I, I didn't love her storyline compared to basically the rest of the characters, but it is weird that we just got nothing about it the rest of the time. Her whole, her whole persona was just telling Maddie to calm down for like the last three or four episodes. I'm just like, why are you even here? Like we got that new girl in episode eight that was yelling at Maddie to beat her ass running down the hall. Don't, I don't even know who that was. Yeah. But I mean, she did more for the episode than Kat. Wild new time for a new character. Without knowing that her name, just she's just screaming at her to beat her ass running down the hall. I was like, okay. Yeah, good oh, energy for from sure. her. Yeah, that's what the crowd wanted. Uh, Lori, the drug dealing lady, so uh, completely abandoned that storyline. But I do have some theories for her. I think she'll be heavily involved in the beginning or all of season three. I'd be very shocked if she's not because I don't think she would just give away ten grand <laughs> and not expect it to come back in some form. Uh, Maddie and her employer, we uh, thought that was going to be something there, maybe a little bit of sexual tension. I didn't really know what was going on, but we, you, you said, like, I feel like there's more there. I feel like something's going on. Maybe they're connected. We never saw her again. 
Yeah, we never saw her again, but we saw her deliver the purple dress to Maddie as a present, as a going away gift, since she's not going to be able to babysit anymore. Yeah, and I and Maddie keeps referencing leaving town. Is that like a hint that she's not going to be there anymore? Because that would suck. Well, I guess, what she's a senior, isn't she? So you could be right. I don't know. I think well, because if Lexi's a junior and Cassie's older, I, mean, I think they're seniors. No, I don't know. That's a that's a good point, Mike. If you. they're seniors and they're going away, that would make sense. And yeah, I mean, I guess that's what the camera f- was for in her closet. Yeah, so she could figure that's, out what she liked. It's but that's, it seems like there could have been more to that, but she wasn't upset at all. She just is like, here, take my very expensive-looking dress. Yeah, what do we know? Uh, also, Jules as a whole. You know, Jules was a very important character in season one. When you look at episode seven, I know it's all been a really long time, but I've seen this show a hundred times. Episode seven or six, one of the two. You remember when Jules like leaves town and does all that raving and she's like oh, – yeah thinking about Nate while she's with that other girl and all that. Like that was, that was like entirely Jules, like an entire episode. And they put out two specials on the show. Part one, Rue, part two, Jules. And Jules is talking to her therapist. We really didn't get much from Jules outside of smashing the CD and her briefly being involved in the half-assed intervention for Rue for the rest of the season, like the last three episodes. Again, I don't understand where the plot, like the whole plot of the season, where, what was it? Why did we have these character stories? Why did we stop some of them? Why did we continue some of them? Like he didn't finish anything. I don't know yeah. where where he's going, and I have no idea what's Jules supposed to do now. Yeah, Is she even gonna be a part of the group? Like let's what? let's get into it, man. I got some I got some theories for you. I think you're gonna think they're fun. So we'll start it off. We'll start off with Fez. Right, so Fez, uh, you would have to assume that my man is uh, going to jail. So I have a few different things here. Uh, one. There's two people dead, right? Custer and Ash in the house. So blame could be put on either of them for certain things that happen. And Faye already kind of planted the, wait, no, uh, Fez didn't kill Mouse. Uh, It was Lori. Didn't you say that? And I think that could be key into Fez possibly getting off. Um, Now Fez could say, hey, I was covering up for Ashtray. They obviously see that Ashtray is a mercenary. So I I think it's possible Fez gets out of jail. But also think about Cal and Fez in jail together. (laughs) That would be quite the coincidence if they got put in the same jail. I mean, same they, prison, but well, they both have committed egregious crimes. So you think they're going to probably a big boy prison? You know, I don't know big, how that works. Big boy jail. Big boy Thankfully, jail. blessed. You know, no, no prison for me. But yeah, I would assume that this uh, in this town, there's probably one giant prison, and they're probably both going to be there. The uh, no, no misdemeanors for them. And we, yeah, we don't know how old Fez is, so he, he's definitely probably being charged as an adult. That's yeah, we got no clue. He definitely eighteen. Yeah, he, definitely. not in the high school. Uh, but yeah, I think that'll be really interesting. I do think that Fez is going to get out of prison. I did read a theory that, uh, Lori's going to come back for Rue and Lori is going to be the one who bails Fez out of prison. But Rue is already going to be like kidnapped, you know, maybe Rue's having like a better life, like a cleaner life. She's good. And then Lori comes and kind of blows that up, which is possible. Well, I mean, too, like you were saying, Faye said Lori's the one that killed her. If the cops are going to start looking at that a little harder, let's see how Lori responds to that. Yeah, so far, I think we can call Lori. I don't know if she's that tough. I don't know. She was terrifying when she when I saw her on screen, but 
she didn't show up for the last half of the season. So I kind of, I don't know. Yeah. And she didn't, she didn't say, Hey Rue, I'm going to kill you. If you don't get me this money back for these drugs, I'm fronting you. She said, I'm going to sell you into human trafficking, which is a more specific threat. Which would be a awful thing. Human trafficking very much against that. Yeah. No, we uh, are anti human trafficking podcast. Yeah. Put that on, put that on the, uh, info of the episode. Yeah. But, uh, well, I mean, like, like you said, Rue said she was clean the rest of the semester and we're assuming this is in like January, February ish. So that's at least three months where she does not come for Rue. So yeah. what or what's she waiting on? Right. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's, it's possible. Uh, Jules and Nate, another theory I have. So Cassie and Nate, like, I, I think we, you may agree with this. I feel like Nate liked Jules the most. And if Jules and Rue are officially done, I could see Nate trying to pursue that a little bit more. And Jules, we've seen her fantasize about Nate in the past. It's obviously not the right thing to do for Jules, but nobody on this show does the right thing. I think you could see maybe some sort of romantic connection with them. And maybe Jules kind of turns into a bad guy. I could definitely see it because, I mean, like, Nate's mom and dad said throughout the entire season, she, they got the best parts and wor- worst parts of Cal. And if Cal was a fan of Jules, I could definitely see Nate being a fan of Jules. Yeah, exactly. And like, you know, in a weird way, like a lot of things that Nate did throughout the show, obviously Nate's not a fan of his dad, but like he kind of wanted to mimic his dad at the same time. Yeah, he wanted to be the successful side of his father. He just yeah. didn't want to have all the stuff, which in reality he probably did yeah no absolutely do you, do you have any thoughts on where you think this show's going no because i honestly don't know if i'm gonna have what kind of interest i'm gonna have on this show in two years ah it'll come back man it might it come back but it's back. like damn i'm gonna need a fire ass trailer in like 22 months yeah I, man you know it'd be cool if we were doing a podcast on season three if we were still hanging in there you know i mean that's a long time from now. I know. God, yeah. I mean, a lot, a lot can happen. Yeah. Hopefully, this isn't it for us. But uh, well, I mean, we're only going to be thirty watching God, high schoolers. God bless. Well, you know, maybe maybe some of them won't be high schoolers anymore. That'll help. You uh, can hope. Another completely abandoned storyline after episode one. You know, uh, McKay. Remember, McKay was like a factory at a whole ass episode in season one, and he was there, and and he, he's just gone. Yeah, first episode, he's having his moment with uh, Nate. He's talking about how Cassie was in bed and all that good stuff when Nate had just had her in the bathroom, which, not a cool move if you're a bro, I'd say. Yeah, not very cool but, by uh, Nate. Yeah, and then he was just gone. Back to school. Never to be heard from. Another thing we abandoned, sports. Where are the sports scenes? None of that. No QB1 scenes. Right. I, he could have used a little bit of that. He easily could have been on the basketball team with that height. Come on. Dude, he's like 6'5". Yeah. You put him on the low post and be dominating. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even if he wasn't, you could just make him dominate. You know I mean? What are we doing? Yeah, we've all seen One Tree Hill. We can see how yeah. those athletes, were, they were not athletes. Yeah, but you may look that way, or you know, not to like a sports fan, but you can at least throw the storyline in there. I thought that was right. weird because to an HBO fan, they could have made it work. Yeah, I mean, sports are a big part of that, but you know, this show is uh, 
incredibly popular. It's the most watched, second most watched HBO show since 2004. Uh, a lot of people hating on that. You know, population increases over time, I believe. So. Well, and yeah, so, there wasn't, not everyone has access to HBO the way it used to be. Yeah, very true. Very true. But uh, it heavily consumed, uh, criticized, talked about, and um, definitely looking forward to doing it again. Uh, try to think about what we're doing next. This uh, Lakers show starts Sunday night. I thought that was it not out yet. Uh, first episode Sunday night. I think it takes the Euphoria spot. Ah, okay. Yeah, it does look like a cool thing. It previews look sweet, and uh, the stories that you read about that team are very, very interesting. So that's an HBO show revolving around the Showtime Lakers. Uh, so you have Magic, Kareem, uh, the Bus family, all in there. Uh, it, it it should be pretty fun. That would be a cool thing. I kind I wish they would put a Fresh Prince on. They uh, HBO. What uh what start service is that? Peacock. Peacock. Gotcha. I, I do. It's have more to, like but... a drama this time. It looks pretty good, but I'm just like I'm not gonna pay for Peacock. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, what's going on? I got a text saying like Carlton's like doing drugs in that show. I don't know. I haven't seen it. That seems kind of off from the show we grew up with. It's de- yeah. I mean, the way they said it's not a comedy. Like it's uh, it's serious. That doesn't make any sense. I don't know why they wouldn't just name it something else then. It's what everyone does nowadays. They just reboot it and change it up a little bit. Yep, not Euphoria. This show is like one that we have never seen, honestly. A lot of wild stuff going on there. Um, MVP of the season, what do you got? MVP. Oh, I mean, Fez and Lexi's relationship was MVP of the season. Uh, I was Lexi, go didn't get Lexi. To read, Lexi didn't get to read Fez's note. The police officers were stomping on it. I was like, yeah. no. Who knows what that could have been? I know, I know. I I guess we're never going to know what it says. I mean, maybe we find out in season three. Hard to see them lasting. I could do without the possible scenes of Lexi visiting Fez in prison. That sounds... uh, You don't think they'd be like have their hands on the two-way mirror singing Stand By Me to each other? I could see it. I could see it. I just don't want to see it. I hope Fez gets out, but we're probably at least going to have a few episodes of him in there. Yeah, I mean, if he gets out, he's got to be on probation. That's ankle monitor to the... All that good stuff. Yeah, I mean, he's always in his house anyway, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, there's no drugs in the house, so maybe they won't find all that stuff. Yeah, not going to be that different. Well, Shay, it was a pleasure. I'll find our uh, next thing sometime soon. We'll see how this Lakers show is. Uh, but I got some ideas. Any final words? I was happy to do, happy to do it. It's a fun season. It was. It was a fun season. Uh, we'll do it again in 22 months. Like you said, hopefully 22 months, maybe at best. At best. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's like the bare minimum. It yeah. has to be at least 22 months. <laughs> All right, 22 months. We're cheering for it. All right, Bachelor Red Talk coming up. Uh, final four. We're going to go from four to three. I actually really enjoyed the episode. I believe you'll be able to hear the positivity wow. in my voice. Yeah. How about that? Yeah, really, really kind of fun. I, I thought they did a good job. They're, uh, they're coming around. Somehow it just keeps pulling me back in. But it is that time. Lexi Browning and The Bachelor. All right, Bachelor Red Talk. We are back. Lexi Browning in the house. Wow. Final four. Down to three. How's it going? Uh, it's going. This week's episode was 
pretty straightforward, not really a whole bunch to talk about during these hometowns, not a ton of drama. You know what? I don't know if I've said this all season yet. I'm going to say it now. I liked it. I liked this episode. I felt connected to the women. Uh, there was there were parts where I was like, are, are we doing this? Are we feeling something right now? Do you, need a, do you need a tissue to wipe your eyes? Is this a beautiful moment happening on ABC, 8 o'clock Monday? Wow. And now I'm uh, kind of invested. I, I actually felt like this week, although it was calm, not a ton of laughter, it kind of saved the season. I thought it restored the legitimacy of it. Oh, okay. Uh, disagree, but definitely value your opinion. Uh, I'm glad you enjoyed it for once. Like, I'm glad we take turns with our enthusiasm because mine's just like a little below average this week. Okay. Well, let's jump into it. Final four, that means hometowns, and we are not quarantined anymore, so we don't have all these families coming, waiting 10 days because we defeated COVID as a country. And uh, we got Susie up first. We're going to meet Virginia. We're headed to Virginia. And uh, we start out, we got to find out if Clayton likes being choked. That's uh, the phrasing that she decided to use. Uh, we did a little jujitsu. Um, they did some shrimping. Hilarious. Wow. A classic. Ruffle. So good. I mean, the way that they just had that callback was so, so funny. Uh, can't get enough of the shrimping. I got a question, though. Um, would you be okay with letting your significant other headlock their sensei into her coochie? Because... So, good question. I uh, thought the same thing. But, you know, she decided to do this. So it's like her thing. And for Clayton, or for me, you know, because you put me in this situation now, you know, I've never done jujitsu. So I don't know what's going on. That might be normal. And I am probably having a private internal conversation with myself. What is going on right there? Don't love it. But I don't think I would say anything because I don't understand the playing field. Absolutely. I mean, it's standard protocol for this sport. I would say there's a ton of like headlocking with the thighs going on in jujitsu. That's just part of it. But uh, I mean, yeah, definitely something that you would have to reflect on after. Like how many senseis have you held like that? Um, maybe not sexually, but it's all in how you perceive it. I mean, where, where'd you get those thighs? You know, you're doing a little workout. Jiu-jitsu, the one thing, the one activity she could pick, she picked it. It's obviously important to her. He can't knock on it. I, I like it. I respect it. I also, put in that situation, would not have said anything about the headlocking of the jiu-jitsu masters with the thighs. Okay. All right. That's pretty much it for the day portion. And then we are going into the night portion being like, all right, the dad, the father figure here is going to be key for us. He's clearly on the mend from some sort of sickness. Not really sure what that was. Did they ever mention what, what happened to him? Uh, I don't know. I, I remember we had the health scare thing that she disclosed to Clayton pretty early in the season, episode one or episode two. Don't think we've revisited much, but it, he's there. He's looking pretty good. And um, I, I liked him. You know, it's a thing with the first three hometowns. I didn't feel like the uh, the male family members were that scary. I kind of like when they're scary. When we get to Rachel, that, that does kind of happen. But, uh, but yeah, you know, he's a big part of her life. I, th I thought he was a nice guy. 
Yeah, it clearly has a great relationship with Susie and, like, trusts her judgment. He's like, if Susie loves you, we are going to love you. And I feel like that's just the perfect stance to take in this scenario. Very welcoming family, I feel like. Um, but then we get to Susie's mom, and he she asks Clayton if he loves her. And he gives this crazy roundabout answer that's extremely terrible. He's, like, stuttering a lot. And he basically just says he'll get there. But that kind of implies that the answer to her question is no, he's not in love with her. Yeah, I'd say not quite. And I always like to give the leads a little bit of grace here because this is the first one that they do. You know, like anything in life, you start doing something, you're not going to be great at it. But by the fourth time you do it, you're going to be a little better at it. So he's got to do Susie first. He's going to be a little shaky when it comes to the parents. And I did think his answer here wasn't awesome, but, you know, he didn't lie to her, and uh, that's nice, but we, we do, he has that quote what he's like, I don't want to fall in love with four women at the same time, and then in the preview of next week, he's like, I'm in love with all three of these women. Yes, absolutely, a self-fulfilling prophecy, if not describing the situation that he's already in at this time. Yeah, um, so I, I didn't think that was great. I, I would probably rank Susie's hometown fourth which is a bummer because i do think i like Susie the most her family obviously adores her everything they said just a glowing endorsement of Susie as a person they weren't very skeptical of this process which is always shocking to me and really the first uh, two for sure maybe the third even were not very skeptical of this process we don't, really don't get there until rachel's dad but overall i feel like it went okay Susie does tell him at the end that she's in love with them right yeah, I feel like she does. I'm not sure if that's exactly what she says, but pretty much that's that's the gist of things. And um, her mom is going to like convey to Susie like pretty much what he said, that he's he's not ready yet, but he'll get there eventually. And that seems like a very like crucial bit of information. But then we see Susie right after being like, it didn't really change how I feel about Clayton at all. So we're still coming away from this feeling very good, even though I feel like our concern level should maybe be a little higher than it actually was. Um, but her takeaway from our conversation with her mom is to proceed with caution. Yeah, that's all her mom basically says. And I think Susie's response to all this is very logical. She's like, all right, this is week eight of in, in terms of what we've been watching. And he's not all the way there yet. And I am, but that's okay. I still got a chance at this thing. So overall, Susie's hometown, not bad. Not bad. Yeah, feel like she's going to hang around. So we got Gabby, and Gabby is somebody that I, because we've had the Shanae thing all season, I've really thought it's uh, Susie, Rachel, who's going to win since Shanae was off the show, and that literally still feels like it was only an hour ago. I didn't know a ton about Gabby, but we're going to go to Sky High in Colorado. They're going to hike, get to a hot tub, which they've conveniently placed at the top of this hike, lips pressed against the bottle. Uh, it, this was nice. Uh, nothing like a little hiking. You know, great, great day portion of the day. Really appropriate for Colorado. They just like make me upset. Like they gave me the ick when they're like, let's role play. I'm going to be a human and you be a grizzly bear. Pretend what you would do. It's like, what are you all doing? You're Are you adults? Like this is like what you all are doing. I just, Gabby's a weird one for me. Um, 
anyway, yeah, we get to the hot tub and we're talking about who we're going to meet and we're really bummed out because her dad cannot make it and we already know that her dad is like her closest familial relationship and it's because his girlfriend of 10 years has cancer and is immunocompromised so obviously he can't come be around the whole crew and then go home to her so it is understandable but clearly a problem for Gabby because she really wanted him to be there. Yeah, which sets us up for the most emotional, beautiful, socially distanced moment in the history of the show. It's going to come up a little bit later. But we are going to meet the rest of Gabby's family, and I think that gave us some insight into her quirky personality. She tells the um, uh, sit-on-your-face pillow joke, family loves it. All freaking out. All dying laughing. They're all big fans. Grandpa was awesome. Just a hilarious dude. When he was talking to Clayton, I couldn't really understand what he was exactly saying. Uh, a lot of old people vocab going into it, but uh, still thought it was funny. Uh, fa family all seemed awesome. Oh, I love the grandpa so much. Like the way that he like jokes on Gabby reminds me so much of my own my own grandpappy and I just like it just I love him and then he described Gabby as a lovable dingbat and I felt like that was super spot on to describe Gabby yeah and what, what's the word again so we can get that dingbat dingbat yes a lovable have we dingbat. urban dictionary that or anything uh, I think it means kind of stupid, but that's not really how I want to interpret it like if you know Gabby I feel like the term dingbat rings true uh, yeah, so the definition is actually a stupid or eccentric person. I'd say Gabby's case more eccentric. I don't think she's stupid, but uh, she's definitely unique. Yes, so she walks outside, and her dad, her dad couldn't be here, is out there in the street with some signage. He's not talking, but he's, he's flipping the signs. Hi, Gabby girl, it's me, your dad. He's flipping the signs. Gabby's crying. He's crying. It's it's just beautiful. I mean, I, I was watching it, you know, having a glass of wine, not really enjoying the episode so far because I never am. And then I was like, are, are you are you crying right now? Do you love this show? Aren't you happy that you started doing this podcast about this show? Isn't it all worth it now to take in this moment, be invested? And my answer was unequivocally, yes. Yeah, this is... I mean, you guys, they are clearly within hearing distance from one another. Why don't you just speak? There's literally 500 poster boards and two words written on each one. You're like throwing them to the side, making this giant, massive pile of paper. And you could just you could just talk. And another amazing aspect of this scene is that Clayton didn't even bother to like stand up and come out and like wave to Gabby's dad or like yeah, find not out. Involved. Yeah, doesn't even know what Gabby's dad looks like. He's cool just chilling on the couch. You you guys have fun out there. And it's not like he doesn't know because we even saw him speculate like, she has a visitor, it could be her dad. It's like, you're not even going to get up? This is what she wanted most of all. That part of it was truly unbelievable that he didn't even walk out there. Because like you said, I mean, they could easily talk in a socially distanced manner. We've learned how to do that. As a, as a country, over the last three years, he's very far away, way more than six feet. And we do the uh, full two paragraphs of flipping the signs, like you said, definitely made a mess. But yeah, I thought it was remarkable that Clayton didn't walk out there. Still loved the moment, but it kind of didn't make a lot of sense. 
Yeah, it's just, it's so overplayed. Like, we already saw this in a million other things. And usually they do it in a scenario where it's like there's a wall in between them so you can't speak. Like, you can't hear each other vocally. That's when it works. Not this. It's uh, very played out by production. Hated every bit of it. Okay, wow. Well, I thought that Gabby and her family, in terms of just them, throw Clayton out. Because, like we said, he wasn't really that involved aced the hometown like I thought they were all terrific I really enjoyed them and um yeah Clayton you know C plus didn't really show up he did okay when he was being talked to he's getting a little better this is round two but overall Gabby solid job uh Serene she lives in Oklahoma Oklahoma City here we go uh the classic episode of South Park that's how Clayton feels uh, should have never gone zip lining or bungee jumping I don't know what they're gonna do but Serene does look like she's uh, way more ready for this moment than Clayton Clayton is terrified yeah I mean she definitely like shows him that he is in fact bitch made uh punks him out she's like watch this this is not scary at all uh get it together and, you know, this this is not the point of a hometown date. You're supposed to, like, show him what your life is like, maybe learn something about you. But she's like, I'm going to do take you to do something I've never done before. I've This brand new. It's like, that's what we've been doing this whole journey. Now I want to, like, see what your life is like. But sure, we'll go on this, like, jungle gym instead. Yeah, it's a great point. And I do think that's what was, if anything, better about the bachelor bubble when they would have to kind of bring their hometowns to life without actually going there. I feel like you learned a little bit more. I mean, they got, you know, we did the Serena Canada thing with the maple syrup and the hockey that, that seemed kind of stereotypical to Canadians, to be honest, but like, at least it was like about their hometown and they had to be creative and they had to do it right here. That truly made no sense. Maybe it hurt Serene in the process. Spoiler alert. Serene is not going to survive and advance to the final three. But uh, we talk about her a little bit more, I guess. Her brother, Roland, uh, just can't believe that Clay can't believe she disclosed so much about her life to Clayton, which I didn't think made any sense. Like, hey, man, what do you think they've been talking about? But he did seem like a cool guy. But she does tell him at the end, hey, I'm in love with you. And then he's uh, three for three on people being in love with him. Yes, he's very smiley about it. I mean, honestly, Serene's hometown was my favorite of the whole night i loved her brother so much he was so touching when he got emotional you can tell that he's protective over her and really just wants her to be like free of pain like what a sweetie um and he asked clayton <laughs> he asked clayton <laughs> if he loves her and he says he hasn't said that to anyone yet and he's not there yet again i feel like that's very telling but also very brave because it's clearly like not the correct answer to give but it is an honest answer to give um, and then Serene goes to her mom and is like, mom, look at this jar of Christmas lights that he gave me. He does care about me. And she's like, cool. <laughs> um, and then she tells him that she is not just falling in love with him. She is in love with him. And then it flashes to her ITMs and she's like, I think he was shocked to hear that. And you have to think to yourself, like, shock is not what you are going for when you're about to confess these types of feelings of love to someone like you you sort of want them to have maybe an idea that this is coming or if you're lucky like reciprocal feelings of some sort yeah yeah ex exactly wasn't great uh i i really don't have much to add you know i did 
I didn't hate Serene's hometown or anything. I agree. You know, Roland, her brother, what a sweetie, as you said. Great quote. But uh, it, looking back on it after, like knowing she got eliminated, I guess it, it seems more insignificant. But yeah, Christmas lights thing. Very funny. But Clayton, you know, it's it's been a rough season. He's been focused on the wrong things. I think everybody who's watched this show and took it in over the years would comfortably say, hey, Clayton is in the bottom tier of leads that we've had. But how about him? How about him having all these girls in love with him somehow? <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's his absolute favorite thing to hear. He's like, I don't care how I feel. I honestly am just so desperate for any one of you to care about me in any way. Like, I'll do anything. Please just like me. That's the vibe I get. And this whole time in these hometowns, he's like, for once, I don't have to be in charge. Like, that, he, he just seems like such a type B personality. He's like, yeah. you want to go to Europe? I'll go to Europe. I don't have priorities of my own. I'm just trying to leech off you and do what you tell me to do. That was hilarious. Are you, you cool with moving to Europe? Yeah. Yeah, dude. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. So that's a good segue. Let's go to Rachel's hometown. Yeah. Type A and the A is for alpha and it is not Clayton. But we're moving on to Rachel. We're going to Claremont, Florida. Little kayaking with alligators. Gross. Looks like a miserable date. Uh, Clayton, back to back. Bungee jumping and then kayaking with, with alligators. Uh, just, I, you know, if that's me, they're, they're both out. They're both out. Yeah, what an intro. She's like, there's snakes out here. There's lions. There's bears. I'm not even sure if we're going to survive this date, but let's go have an adventure. Yeah, once again, like I, I think we know that Clayton likes Rachel the most. Uh, at least we think that. But it's like, am I willing to die for this? It's been eight weeks. But Clayton gets out there. He's a trooper. He goes through it. And then finally, so far, three of three families all been very nice, not overly skeptical or anything, which I think you and I understand the skepticism there. Like they've, they're they going to propose to your daughter and it's been eight weeks. I feel like it's always tougher for the male lead to sell himself to these families. And uh, Clayton's done a pretty good job. And now we're going to meet Tony. Tony is Rachel's dad, and it's finally a family member who, like, doesn't understand this process. Uh, dude is just scary overall. I mean, I, if I'm in that situation, I'm, I'm stuttering, I'm folding, not being my best self. Oh, God, this was so good. I mean, when we get to Rachel's parents' house, hit, I mean, Tony is immediately hilarious. He is trying to murder Clayton with his eyes alone. And they sit down, and Clayton literally says one word, and he leans into his wife and says, I'm scared. And then as her sister is, like, cheersing to the night, her dad is blatantly crying just at the side of Clayton, just right away, just upset. It's so funny. <laughs> it's so good. He wasn't crying because he was, like, happy? Absolutely not. I mean, the veins were popping out of his head. Like, he was so angry. It was really, I mean, I was scared for him. I thought he was maybe going to get beat up. Um, and how, but how about those, like, makeout scenes of Rachel and Clayton as well before the night portion? Like, they're under the kissing tree, and there's so much tongue involved. I feel like that tells us that Rachel is our, is our winner. Yeah, I mean, you know, Rachel, I feel like before she was so afraid as to how this was going to go, you know, like she's breaking it down to Clayton and she's legitimately worried about my dad doesn't like anyone, you know, and I think she's trying to kind of be like, hey, everything's going to be okay no matter what, here's us making out 
at all times. It's still going to be fine, even if he doesn't like you. I don't think Rachel had an overwhelming amount of faith going into this, but everybody's waiting for this Clayton Tony one on one. I mean, it's you buy the UFC card, you sit there all night and you watch these fights that you don't care about. And then it's 1230 and it's finally time for that heavyweight matchup. This is why you gave ESPN plus $60. And it's Clayton who, like we said, not an alpha, but somebody who's been through this process three times now. So he's as good at he's, as he's going to be on this show at meeting families for Four four. Here we go. And Tony clearly not afraid of Clayton. Hates him. Crying at the at the thought of him being with his daughter. And uh, I I felt like Clayton did okay here. He held his own. And sometimes it's not about winning. It's about not losing. And that's what I felt like Clayton did. Very well said. I mean, it, it definitely went very well. I think a key phrase that Kate that Clayton used was that he said that he has dreamt about proposing to Rachel. Like these are affirmations that we did not see him give to any other family. And um, then at the end, his dad's like, well, let me talk with Rachel. And if she gives me a good word, I'll give you a signal at the end of the night. And lo and behold, the end of the night comes and he gets the pat on the shoulder. He's in the clear. He gets the secret signal. Been watching the show for a while. Have never seen the use of secret signals. I mean, maybe you can go back a little further than me. You're a lifetime Bachelor fan. I I haven't seen it. I haven't seen the secret signal. And we used it. And it was awesome. Clayton wins the game. And that is one thing I will say. Say something nice about Clayton Tom. He was honest throughout this process. Like, he he was. Like and I think when he says those things about Rachel that he didn't say about the other women, we believe him because that's where we feel like he's at. Absolutely. I definitely think as cringy as it is to watch him like clearly come up short to these other families expectations, I feel like it's better to do that now and be honest about it and get it out of the way. And just, I mean, it's well done. It's it's hard to watch, but he definitely got through it. And I think he did a really good job. So yeah, points for Clayton for that one. Yeah, right. And no matter what, no matter what he says, these families are all going to hate him, right? Of the girls that he doesn't pick now that he, or that he doesn't pick later, they're going to hate him. He can't win those people back. So he really, like, realistically, he can walk in there and say whatever to him, tell them everything they want to hear. It's not going to matter. They're going to hate him anyway. And instead, he goes about it by, like you said, not saying what maybe is the best answer, but the honest answer. So good job, Clayton. I feel like he does it pretty like, all around hometowns, Clayton. Decent job, man. You're really figuring it out. It didn't. T it only took you eight weeks. You're doing all right. And then we get to the rose ceremony, and Rachel, Gabby, Susie, they advance, and Serene's gone. And I felt like that was the right call. I feel like Clayton had a stronger connection with the other three, and I feel like the right three people are in line for a gold, silver, and a bronze. Yes, exactly. This is what you heard me predict last week, that Serene would be the easy boot at Hometowns. But I will say, like, she picked up so much steam here at the end as far as likability. I really wasn't expecting to like her as much as I did. And I do believe that this episode was probably her best showing. But again, I mean, she just wasn't going to measure up to those other connections. But yeah, we'll probably see her in paradise. And I hope to see more of her because I like to watch her. Yeah, nothing wrong with Serene. It just speaks that the other three women were further along with Clayton than they were. And not just taking tonight, but the whole season. Hey, I mean, maybe that's not the worst thing for Serene. Maybe she finds somebody else within Bachelor Nation that is a little better for her. And that, 
I don't think that's a stretch that uh, that could easily happen. But the preview, it was big. Break it down. I don't even have anything for the preview. Isn't it the women tell all? Is that what we got next? I think it is the women tell all and then the yeah. big finale. Right. All right. Well, that means more Shanae. No preview necessary. We know what we're going to get. It's going to be awesome. Yes. And then there was some like real life um, tea as far as like the women filmed the uh, women tell all. And then afterwards they went out to some club at an after party and took a bunch of photos with a sign that said Shanae. And then Genevieve went on Instagram and apologized for this, which is like so Genevieve. Wow, this league. How about it? The drama. Yeah, I mean, who made the sign? Why are we making signs that are so mean? And like, Sinead's not that bad. Come on. Nah, we like her. Move on with your life, rest of cast. Yeah, we're definitely going to see some more shrimp at this women tell all. I'm calling it now. And we've had shrimp basically every episode since it's happened. So we'll see if we can keep getting hot. If We we know we're going to see it in the tell-all. But if we see it in the finale at all, that's unbelievable. Yeah, that's the line. And we're drawing it there. Do not have it at the finale. Yeah, no, you're, you're so right. But that that is all I have. Uh, we got two more weeks left, I believe. But all right, I'm, I'm coming around. Yes, I'm just hoping that Rachel's voice gets some rest. I cannot handle the whispers, and then now it's just, like, even more whispers, and I'm triggered. So, like, somebody put her on some vocal rest. Let's get this back in action for the finale. Yeah, she got a week break. Hopefully she's—I know that's not real time, but hopefully that helps her voice a little bit. That's why closed captioning is so key on this show. I think people try to whisper, think maybe they can spill some secrets. It's not how the show works. They're going to hear you no matter what. Oh, also, another prediction for the finale is that I feel like we have seen a lot of doubt with Gabby. Like, I feel like she wanted to talk to her dad to maybe get some, like, confirmation. Like, she may not really, like, be that into Clayton. And I feel like that may be the shoe that drops at the finale and why he gets so mad at Gabby. And I think she's going to leave before the final rose ceremony where then he will say that he has had sex with both Susie and Rachel. But that's just my theory. We'll see if it comes true. Bold. I'll take your word for it. I don't have any theories. I'll take your word. We'll just have to see. All right. That'll do it for this week. We'll be back next week. Probably shorter episode. Women Tell All. Yahoo. Sometimes we get some real episode in there. You never know. Lexi, great job. Till next time. Goodbye. TTYL. <laughs> 